What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. I'd like to give a warm tavern welcome to all you dwarves indoors, all you elves on shelves, all you lethargic halflings on your first dungeon delves. My name is Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard, and I'm kicking it to you right now with a very serious topic. We need to talk. And for all you out there who are getting yourselves riddled with anxiety over those few words, there, there is hope. Uh, the topic for today is one that I'm pretty passionate about and I think that I do a pretty good job with this but it's something that I think people struggle with that they don't know that they struggle with you know the topic of today is does your first session suck and obviously this is a topic that's aimed more at dungeon masters but it's definitely something that deserves to be noted for players too because your first session you know as is every session a game is what is shared between dungeon masters and players but i think all the issues i'm going to bring up in this podcast episode are going to be pretty much aimed directly at the dungeon master so all you uh all you uh boys and girls behind the dungeon master screen y'all listen up So, the reason why I talk about this is I have taught, I'm thinking, something around 65 or 67 people, somewhere around there, how to play the game. I've started many campaigns, I've played many adventures over many editions, and while it feels like I'm just trying to flex my D20s on you guys right now, the reason why I bring this up is I've had to have that first game magic with a lot of different people, you know? And I've thought quite a lot about what it takes to make a campaign start off on the right put, foot. Yeah, start off on the right foot, everybody. But um, it, it's a tricky thing because a lot of people out there will sort of poke fun at the idea of you all arrive in a tavern. Uh, A mysterious stranger approaches the table and puts down a scroll and a bag of coin and asks if you'd like to do him a favor. You know, we joke about how derivative and cliche that is, but I don't think that that's what makes for a bad session one. I don't think that that's what makes for a bad intro quest for a campaign. I think what makes for a bad game And I'm going to throw some major shade here at Wizards of the Coast. And, I mean, honestly, a lot of other companies that are making modules nowadays. And I think the one biggest flaw that I see is the idea that starting with combat is a good idea. I, I... I don't know. I see the logic. I see where somebody's coming from where players are sitting at the table. Dungeon Master's cracking open the binding on a new book. He looks over his screen and, you know, looks at the audience of players and says, As you enter the town, the smell of smoke clings to the air. Visions of fire and windows in the buildings uh, uh, to the north hint at the idea raiders are afoot. You uh, look to the east, and you see coming from a copse of trees, a group of, uh, I don't know, goblins riding on warriors come rushing out, 
bows and spears at the ready. They prepare to advance on you guys. Roll for initiative. I see how that can feel like that's action-packed. Like that's gripping, that's pulling people in. I see where somebody would feel that way. But ladies and gentlemen, maybe I'm just a certain kind of dungeon master. Maybe I just play a certain kind of D&D or just RPGs in general. But I look at that and I think to myself, if we can pull back that example's skin and look at the anatomy there, here's what I think is actually going on. I see a person who's looking to squeeze in combat because combat is apparently exciting and engaging. And I see somebody who's trying to get across the idea that there are bad guys and these bad guys don't like you, right? Now, here's the thing. I don't think starting with combat is all that great because these are brand new characters in a brand new game and they're all level one, assumedly, or a low level or whatever. Players aren't going to know their characters very well. You think about people who've been playing the same character for like, I don't know, two years or maybe at the end of a campaign, they look back and they say, I know every ability, but like the back of my hand, I know all my gear, I know how all my stats work, but like on that first game, do you really think these people know everything about what they're doing? How often have we played at our first game or the first couple games and somebody has mentioned, oh, I didn't even know I had that power. And they look at their sheet and they say, wait a minute, I'm allowed to do that? Oh my gosh. Like, everybody does that, right? And so here's the problem, is when you start off with a combat, everybody is going to be looking through their sheets and everybody's going to be looking at all their stuff because nobody's familiar with what they have. And so the gameplay comes to a halt. It grinds to a standstill. Unless you have a dungeon master who is willing to orchestrate the whole combat, both the monsters and the characters, it's not going to be smooth, you know, it's going to have tons of hiccups, tons of stops, now obviously there's a, there's an exception to this, that, I mean, if the players of the game are all super familiar with the rules, and they play all the time, and they know this stuff like the back of their hand, I mean, you probably won't have this hiccup, but again, how exciting is a combat as an intro, you know, I mean, I know I gave the most cliche example I could think of with goblins raiding a village, but, I mean, think about it, like a combat to start off a game that's not gripping that's not exciting now if you have i don't know the party on the road and they see a, a carriage that's been tipped over and they see the royal insignia on the side of it and they all approach as they're traveling to the starting village they see inside that there's a dead you know a wagon driver and underneath him is a wounded uh i don't know the the local monarch and he's wounded and he, he's reaching out a hand for anybody to help him and he hands over a scroll and he says please take this to the council of the eight the sacred eight that's gripping, it's cliche, but we're not starting with a combat, we're starting with an interesting scene. It's short, it's to the point, and already the characters are thrown right into the action, and they didn't even do anything other than just walk upon the scene. A lot of people might say, oh, well, that limits the, uh, the, uh, uh, the autonomy of the characters, or the agency of the characters, because they didn't do anything. But yes, they did. Because I think what's more important than knowing your character sheet is players going to the table and knowing their personality. You know, imagine the, the party that arrives to that goblin scene I gave earlier is your cliche fighter, sword and board, your cliche cleric, you know, we'll say a, a dwarfish priest, we'll say that there's an elven wizard and there's a halfling rogue and they show up. 
you know, the combat is not going to get their personalities across other than a couple, I don't know, comedic things like the halfling runs off and hides or something like that. But when it comes to the idea of the toppled carriage and the monarch, you know, reaching out for anybody to help him, all those characters, none of them need to look at their sheet to know how to respond. You know, if the cleric is a goodly cleric who heals people, you know, he's going to go rushing over and say, like, is there anything I can do to heal him? He didn't even have to look at his sheet. He literally looks to the dungeon master, asks the question, can I heal him? You know, like, that gets to the action. Nobody has to look at their sheet. It's like the action is just right on the table. Somebody's gripped. They feel like they have agency. You know, they feel like they're going to do something. They feel like they, they have an important role right then and there. And when they're told, no, you can't save him. The wound is too grievous or or there's some sort of caustic acid here or some sort of terrible poison. His time being alive is very limited. Like that establishes how powerful an enemy they're dealing with or how dangerous the situation is again without the players even having to deal with it you know and so like role-playing is i think the most important aspect of the game in my opinion i think combat is just an extension of that i think that everybody plays a role and combat is just sort of a situation in which that role is exposed granted older editions of the game might put more focus on how combat plays out but uh or or more focus on combat in general suggesting that all adventuring is is just loot and combat but i think that role-playing is supposed to be in the forefront and i think starting off the game with a role-playing encounter is so much more powerful for a group especially when you're playing fifth edition which puts so much effort to say these characters have motives these characters have personalities and they also have stats and special abilities you know i think that this edition is like the perfect edition to start off with moral situations or or some sort of dilemma or some sort of exciting role-playing experience but i've mentioned morals and i've mentioned dilemmas and that's why i think i should go on to my next point and this is probably the the thing that i have learned in my past like 13 or so years of running games for people and that is that your first adventure your first quest if you can pull it off in one session i guess this counts as your first session too but your first adventure your first quest should end with a moral dilemma some ethical conundrum some sort of thing that has tons of gray area okay let's suggest that the party actually, I actually, I'll give you an example of one that um, uh, that I've done in the past. So I had my party uh, investigate a village that had this rolling smoke, this terrible green fog that was billowing in from the swamps around this little village, and people were getting poisoned, people were sick. It was this caustic, terrible, acrid smoke that would never go away, and nobody knew where it was coming from except for just the swamps, right? And so the party over time discovered that there was it was coming from the graveyard and beneath the graveyard was some sort of an underground grotto some sort of swampy underground chasm that chasm was littered with bullywugs who had prayed to their froggy god god if i can remember the name of that frog god but um i think it might no it's not like Owsid. Something like that. But anyway, their big frog god replies by taking one giant toad that he had and making it even bigger and bigger and bigger. And the thing was is it got 
too big and couldn't get out of the dungeon. So basically they had a giant frog that continued to eat all the bullywugs and the bullywug priest kept feeding him and feeding him and feeding him. But what stinks is that, it, literally what stinks, is that the chamber that the giant frog was in was like directly below the graveyard that was on the ground, uh, the above them on like, you know, ground level. And so what happened was during a funeral, when the grave digger was out there digging up a grave, he broke through the stone because it was all weakened by the frog growing and growing and growing. And he fell through and killed the frog on accident and the frog being some kind of demonic fiendish beast as it rotted the corpse let out this terrible rotten smoky gush of yuckiness yeah yuck, yeah that's that's how i described it in the game i promise um and it got everybody in town sick and it just it was this like like malevolent stench you know it was fiendish it was evil it was from a god of destruction right now the moral conundrum that the, the players got into, the dilemma, was that when they got to the end of the dungeon, there was this, like, wading pond inside the uh, the grotto that they found, and it was full of bullywug tadpoles and all the little younglings, and they're all sitting there in their little eggy state, and the players had the opportunity to basically collapse the ceiling inside of here and kill all of the bullywug babies. Now... The reason why this is a moral dilemma is because, I mean, the idea of mass extermination of bullywugs is probably going to offend some people, but, I mean, bullywugs are evil for anybody who doesn't know about these simpleton frog monsters, um, but they're basically like frog goblins who are obsessed with who's in charge and trying to take that power from somebody else, so they're pretty evil little dimwits. But one of the members of the party was actually a goblin who was, I believe, neutral good. And so the argument came up that they should kill all the bullywugs because bullywugs are evil. But then the goblin spoke up and said, what about me? Are not all goblins evil? Now, you can see where an argument would come from here. And it's, I think, a good argument. Nobody got too heated. It's not like anybody was fighting at the table. But the party had an active discussion about this. All of a sudden... The party was pressed with this great responsibility because what they did next was going to affect the region that they're from, the region that they're in. I mean, pretty pretty impactful decision they're going to make, you know? If they wipe out this population of bullywugs, this might eliminate bullywugs in the area completely from here on out. So I think to make your first session a real good one, you should definitely end it on a note that allows for some sort of a moral dilemma, allows for some sort of decision to be made. And it doesn't have to be some super deep and meaningful one, but it has to be one where there's definitely tons of gray area that players are able to sort of sharpen their, I don't know, personality claws on, you know? I'm sure a lot of people in that group didn't know how they felt about that question until they were pushed, you know? I believe the barbarian was the one who went back afterwards and collapsed to the roof, even though the party had come to an agreement that they weren't going to do it, and suggest that due to the balance of the swamps, they would let the bullywugs out here sort of just, if they if they survive having the tribe of bullywugs being killed, the tadpoles, if they survive, then so be it, we'll go from there. But they basically didn't want to, you know, bloody their hands by suggesting that they killed off all the bullywugs. The barbarian was the one who went back, basically destroyed the ceiling all by herself, and wiped out the population of them. And so, 
you don't know how you feel about that kind of issue until you're pressed on it. A lot of times, characters who have been around for a long, long time and have gone through tons of adventures, I mean, you will know that. But what's sweet about doing that in your first adventure is that, or your first, you know, your first session, is it sort of forces players to kind of come up with what they stand for on the spot. And it, it doesn't force them in a way that's kind of, I don't know, like mean to the players or, or cause any sort of direct stress or trauma. But it, it makes players think and it lets them flesh out their character so that when they come back for session two, they know who they're playing as. Sure, they're playing as the dwarf and cleric, but they're playing as the dwarf cleric who, I don't know, when confronted with the assassin who tried to kill the noble, realizes that the assassin was, I don't know, under magical duress. Maybe it was a, a some sort of enchantment spell. And so the cleric was the one who says, hey, I know you tried to kill the, the king, the monarch, and you did, but it wasn't you who did it. You didn't have autonomy. You were under some sort of mind spell. While you were the body that did it, it was not your mind. You know what I mean? Like, that shapes the cleric. Now imagine the opposite. Imagine if that same scenario, I don't know, they, they catch up with the rogue who did it or the assassin who did it. Imagine if that same dwarf cleric instead stood on the other side of the fence and he said, no matter what you or did or whether you had the autonomy or the, the ability, the will to have done it or not, like, you are the one who physically did it and for that you must pay. Justice must be done. And we should look for whoever else is behind this. Like, I know it's maybe not the most solid moral conundrum or dilemma I've ever come up with, but it does make you think about how that first session can do so much to help define characters. And I think you'll never come up with a game that's more exciting than the sense of satisfaction a player will have in having a really fleshed out and... I don't know, a really well-designed personality for their character. You know, playing that character is going to be more exciting than any sort of adventure you throw at them. Because playing that character and role-playing is what makes everything you throw at them so much more enjoyable. And this is where I'm going to try to bring everything back around and talk about why combat in the beginning of a module is not a terrible idea, if done right. If the players are faced with a combat in the beginning of, of a module, it should feel important, and the danger that they feel from combat should feel meaningful. Meaning that going up against a dragon at level 1 is pretty much a death sentence, right? But who gives a shit if your character is level 1 and you haven't even done much of an adventure, it's literally a random encounter, as soon as you sit down at the table, DM sits down, opens the book, and says you're fighting a dragon. Like, why do I care if my character dies? Other than the fact I just spent 30 minutes writing out a character sheet, why do I care if my dwarf cleric dies? I mean, he kind of doesn't have any sort of personality, he's not really well developed, he hasn't done anything. So if he dies, I mean, who cares? But starting a module with a combat, having it be meaningful, having there's something on having something on the line is what really drives home the sense of why this is worth doing, you know? And I know I talked about this in a past podcast episode, but I think this is sort of what's missing in a lot of D&D. And I think a lot of times this is like I don't know. I don't want to make a silly uh, comparison here, but this is like true cultural food versus somebody trying to imitate it you know when you think about your grandma's recipe for 
some sort of dish and you think about how it's been passed down generations and when she cooks it like you can tell that there's culture here you can tell that there's meaning here it's one thing when you just slap together like all the ingredients and put it together in a dish but it's another thing when all those ingredients come together just right you know what i mean anybody can make a combat in the beginning of a module anybody session one can have combat but if that combat has great meaning and it has something on the line and the characters would be missed if they were dead or if they lost to this fight like then you're doing combat right and there you have authenticity so i guess we have to answer the question now does your session one suck i mean probably not don't be so hard on yourself but anyway um that's all i got for you guys tonight um uh yeah so i mean dms be good to your players appreciate your players and players appreciate all that your dm does for you y'all have a good night